Would you open your Bibles, if you have them, to Ecclesiastes 3? The name of the message today is to discern the season. Discern the season. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8. And I use the word discern because I think it's really important that there is, we have a responsibility to grapple to seek out, and to take responsibility to hear who God is. Even with the testimonies today and the time of extended prayer, I felt that God wants us to wake up. In the New Testament, it says, wake up, O sleepers. The living God wants us to know what season it is. He wants us to know what time it is in our lives. Uh, Jeremiah Chamberlain, would you stand up for a moment? This little kid causes me a lot of grief in the mornings because he can't get up. Okay? All right, you have a seat. I got, I got permission. But sometimes we're slumbering in this life, and you try to wake up the person, and they don't know where they are, what they're meant to do. How many of us in our life are like jellyfish, and we just flow, and we're not really aware of where God wants to take us? And so I think what God wants to share, you've heard this passage before about the different seasons in life, but what God wants to ask you, every single one of you, whether you're older and more mature or a young person, is what season are you in in life? And given the season of life that you are in, how does God want you to respond? Do you know that our Holy Spirit I mean, our God, the Holy Spirit, he doesn't want you to be unaware of what he's doing. He wants us to have an edge up. That's why he gives us his word. That's why he gives us his prophets. That's why he gives us the word, the spirit, and a community of believers, because he wants us to be different than the world. He wants us to be aware of his plan. Uh, This is the time of year where I get my football fix in. Okay, how many of you are like me, okay? Terrible year to be a Patriots fan, I know, okay? So, anyway, through thick and thin, right? But can you imagine if two teams got in the field and they say, what's the game plan? It's like, eh, we're going to wing it. Does that happen? I mean, if you watch the Patriots this year, maybe it has happened, I don't know, Uh, or the Lions of old, but God doesn't want us to go into a season or a game or your workplace, or your family, or your church, and not have a game plan, and not know what the conditions are on the field. Amen? So that's where God wants to take us today. He wants us to know what is the season that you're in in life, and how are you meant to respond? Uh, Every year at this time in New England, in in a long, let's say it's an Indian summer, at the foot of a mountain, you'll have hikers from out of state, or they visit, or they're here for the foliage, and it might be a warm day at the base of the mountain. It might be, people will be in t-shirts, shorts, and they'll say, I'm just going to go for a hike. And you know what's coming. Every year, someone takes on more than they can chew, and then they end up with hypothermia. Why? Because they didn't discern the season. They didn't understand the conditions. How about you? Do you know the conditions of your flock? Do you know what season you are in and how you're supposed to adapt to that season? 
And what makes it challenging is we're all in different stages of life here. Some of us are more senior, and the urgency that you have knowing our own mortality is more in front of us. Some of you are young people, but you're not meant to squander these days away. God wants to impart something in your hearts for what's ahead. So let me just read, um, before I go any further, let's read, and I'm reading from the ESV today. If I can find my passage, here we are. Ecclesiastes 3, verses 1 through 8. For everything there is a season, and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born, and a time to die. A time to plant, and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill, and a time to heal. A time to break down, and a time to build up. Verse 4, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray right now as we divide your word that your Holy Spirit would speak into our lives. And just like my sister in Christ has said, that we, won't, we will actually believe that we're interacting with the living God who can move mountains, that you actually love us you sent your son, Jesus, to die for us. That's, that's how much you love us and that you actually want to speak to us and tell us what to do and how to handle each season. Give us your discernment of what season we're in and how we're supposed to respond. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, my other son, Ezekiel, he's a landscaper, among other things, horticulturalist. And uh, my lawn in California, that's where I reside now, it was a disaster. We're on lawn 3.0 right now, okay? Um, and when I first moved into the house that we're in, it was all brown and dusty and in really in bad shape. It was like a dust bowl. And as my, my son has put it, the other siblings were doing dirt angels in the backyard. So we knew that we had to uh, do something with, with the lawn. And so I being a real handy person for everyone who knows me and really good with, with a green thumb, I decided that I'm going to dig up the whole lawn, plant seed, and it uh, should be easy, right? Right, Eli? It's pretty easy, right? No big deal. So I, I worked the whole backyard, and I went into uh, Home Depot and was trying to get the right kind of seed and interacting with someone. They're saying, well, this is the wrong time of year, and this is the wrong kind of seed, and you need this much water, now, I don't know who this guy thinks he is, but I'm a pretty important guy. I don't have time for that. I, I just, just give me the seed, let me sow the seed, and let the lawn come, come forth, right? Isn't that how it works? Well, my lawn, to say the least, uh, it didn't really come out very good. Because just because I have an agenda, just because I have a goal, the seasons don't align to me. I have to align to the seasons. But a lot of times for us, we have our own agenda, and we say, God, this is how it's going to be. And what we're really doing is we're kicking against the goats. We're really resisting God. Have you done that? 
None of us have won. God has his plan. God has his timing. God has his season in your life. And the season, even if it's dry, even if it's wilderness, even if it's difficult, or even if it's plentiful, it's ordained by him because he has all things in his hands. Now, let me just uh, talk a little bit about this passage. You've heard this, this Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8 before. It's written by Solomon under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. I don't have time to give a whole background on Ecclesiastes, but in this passage, Solomon, who lived a really wild life, and he was the wisest man uh, at that time who ever lived in the most powerful. So in some ways we can't relate to him, but in some ways we can because he was a very fleshly person. He knew God, but he also indulged the flesh. Have any of you done that? Ah, probably the church down the street, right? <laughs> probably the church down that street. Or that other family. Or that other spouse. No, we all do it, right? We, we taste of the things of God, but we also want to gratify our flesh. And Solomon did much of the same. And when he's old and reflective, he's, he's writing this as he wrote Proverbs. But he said, he starts globally. It's a time to be born and a time to die. So that's pretty comprehensive, and we're going to look into that. But he also talks about personally, and even what we were kind of talking about earlier, a time to mourn, a time to dance. And sometimes God is in a time where he wants to address our relationships, the wounds of our past. But in the last verse, he talks about a time for war and a time for peace. Solomon was a person that was a head of state. Do you think the United States right now, Israel, needs to have leaders to have discernment, whether it's a time of war or a time of peace. Yeah. We have to pray for all of our leaders. We have to pray for the world. But my point is this, is that we need to know when to speak, when to stay silent. You, you don't want to be cracking jokes at a funeral. And you don't want to be somber at a wedding. You have to act with a certain appropriateness that God has given us. And so it's our responsibility to discern the season. We have to discern as individuals, maybe in your marriage, in your parenting, in your grandparenting, in your business. Is it a time to hunker down? Is it a time to expand? What are we meant to do? In your marriage, we're meant to cultivate. Some, of, some people might be newlyweds. Some people might be at the later stages of life. What season are you in at this particular time, and how does God want you to respond in that season? Is everyone clear? So what I want to do is let's just pick, what do I have, like three hours, right? Because until the new year, I'm going to bring it in the new year. Well, let's just look at about four of these, these uh, couplets, and we'll unpack this, and you'll leave having not only learned a little bit about the passage, but hopefully the Holy Spirit will start to challenge us of how we're meant to respond to different seasons. So, sound like a plan? Okay, Ecclesiastes 3.1. This is the thesis of this chapter, and it's to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. A lot of us, in whatever season we're in, we're either trying to go live in the past of how the glory days used to be, or we're trying to get out of this situation. Are you with me? And God's patience, sometimes he allows us to be in a season because he wants to teach us something. And the more we resist him, and the more we lack discernment, the longer the season will go because God is long-suffering, and he loves you too much to just 
get you out of every single situation. Of course he can intervene. Of course he can deliver. He wants to deliver, but sometimes in the season that you're in, we're always trying to get out of something that we're not waiting and saying, God, why do you have me in this situation? And it's not a cookie-cutter situation. That's what makes it so difficult. Of course, as a nation, of course, as a family and in a marriage, some things you're in the same season as the person next to you. But in other ways, we see all different ages, all different walks of life. We're in a different situation. I'll give you one example. A missionary friend of mine was asking us if, if we thought it was a good idea for them to, uh, to jump into a new mission opportunity. And in most situations, 95% of the time, I would say to someone when they're contemplating jumping into ministry to do it, because most of us, we live so much for the things of this world that we don't participate in the things of God. And for 95% of situations, I'd say, yes, go for it. Trust God. But in this particular person, this missionary was in a season of wounding and had come off the mission field, and I discerned that she needed a time of rest and healing, kind of what we're talking about this morning as well. And in that case, I gave the advice that in this season, you're like a, I hate to do this, but because I really hate the Lakers, but I live out in California. But there was a famous game where um, I think it was Kobe blew out his Achilles, and he went and he shot foul shots. And I don't, I don't like Kobe Bryant. I didn't like Kobe Bryant. Um, but one thing I respected is that he always was competitive. And even though he was injured, he wanted to be out there. And sometimes it takes a good coach to pull you to the sideline for a season and say, no, you're not playing. That's an easy one. But, you know, some athletes are, they need a good coach to say, no, you've got to sit down now. And in this case, the Holy Spirit gave me discernment that for this missionary, you need to sit down right now and heal. And God wants to work in the deep things in your heart. And so maybe some of you are like that. Maybe you've been participating in ministry for quite some time and you're not accustomed to being on the sidelines, and God is saying, I want to deal with some things that you don't want to deal with, because I want to heal you so you can be even more effective when you do ministry. Or it could be that God's saying, you're in. What? I'm not ready to get in the game. No, I want you in. So for some of us, God is prompting us. How do we know? We have to discern. Let's look at verse 2a, okay? So this will be the first one we really unpack. So once again, the thesis is there's a time for every purpose under the sun that God has for us. And this 2a says a time to be born and a time to die. You know, the world that we're in, the great universities of the world will tell you that life is meaningless, that birth is accidental and just by volition, whether you're wanted or not determines whether a baby is born or not. It's, it, it doesn't really matter. That's a family, personal decision. This is what the world says in contrast to what God says. In death at the end, there's a lot of countries uh, in, in, in Europe that might be contemplating, well, when you get to a certain age and you lose certain functions, it's better for society for people to be eliminated with quote-unquote dignity. Am I you know what I'm talking about, right? In the United States, the CDC said 2022 was one of the highest suicide rates in the United States. Why? Should it really surprise us? Because 
The great universities of the world, secular humanism, naturalistic evolution says this, and I'm quoting from Will Provine, who is the former professor of history of biology at Cornell University. Ooh, Cornell. They rejected me, so I'm bitter, okay? I've been rejected from the great universities of the world, by the way. Um, Will Provine said, and he's speaking from an atheistic evolutionary perspective, and this is where your coworkers and your fellow students, where many of them are coming from. He says, there's no gods, no life after death, no ultimate foundation for ethics, no ultimate meaning in life, and no human free will. They are all deeply connected to an evolutionary perspective. You're here today and you're gone tomorrow, and that's all there is to it. There is no hope whatsoever of there being any deep meaning in human life. We live, we die, we're gone, we're absolutely gone when we die. Happy New Year. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that is the perspective of the enemy, that's the perspective of the world, but what is your God? What does the living God have to say about it? God says, the creator of heaven and earth says, there is a time to be born. And regardless of what the situations are in which you came into this world, you're not an accident. God has consecrated it. He has designed it. In Jeremiah 1.5, he says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Well, that's Jeremiah. Isn't, is that true for, for me or for the kid born in the foster system or someone that is coming from a difficult background or maybe some of you feel like, I wish I was never born. I'm going through this tough time. No, God has consecrated you. Psalm 139 says that you were knit together in your mother's womb. Before the foundations of the earth, God knew what great works you were going to do for him. So for the Christian... Birth is appointed by God and is never accidental. What about death? To live is Christ and to die is gain. Death is swallowed in victory. So for the Christian, the bookends, a time to be born and a time to die, is ordained by God. Hezekiah in the Bible petitioned with God and asked for 15 extra years, and God granted it because guess what? God is God, and he can do what he feels is right, and he can listen to our petitions. So that's how the posture we should have. But you can see, in contrast to the world, that we know that there's a time to be born and a time to die. What about in between? Acts 17, verse 26 says, And God made from one man every nation to mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods of the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him. Yet he's actually not far from each of us, for in him we live and we move and we have our being. That covers it all. Birth appointed by God. Death appointed by God. Where you are, what you're doing, the people you interact with, the places you go, all ordained by God. So that means that when we're interacting with family members or coworkers and you feel a hesitation to share the word, God has ordained it for you to speak with that person. The circumstances you're in is not catching God off guard. And so what we're meant to do, if it's such a blessing that, that it's true 
and that our life is full of meaning. In every moment of your life, God has appointed, and so it's our responsibility. Let us discern the seasons, a time to be born and a time to die. Amen? Okay, let's look at the next one. The next verse we want to look at is Ecclesiastes 3, 2b. Okay, so verses 2b. A time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted. A time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted. What are we supposed to plant? What are you supposed to plant in your life? What are you supposed to pluck up? God, do you know God wants in your heart, in your life, there's certain things that he wants you to cultivate. He wants you to have a garden. He wants you to grow certain things. Like don't, don't you know that like a marriage, if you're in a healthy marriage relationship, you're meant to cultivate that? Like a good-looking garden is not accidental. It's actually cultivated over time. And if there's weeds growing, you're meant to pluck up those weeds. And it could be in marriage. It could be in business. There's a, there's, we're supposed to be active gardeners in our domain that God has given us. There's a time to plant and time to pluck up what is planted. What is God asking you to pluck up in the new year and in this season? What is he asking you to plant? I can't answer that for you. The Holy Spirit will inform you, and his word will inform you. The Bible gives all sorts of metaphors about sowing and reaping. In Matthew 13, we hear about the gospel of sowing seeds. For We live so much for this world, but we have to also think that, what about God's kingdom? How have I been cultivating God's kingdom? Or am I too caught up in my own immediate day-to-day life? or the things of this world? Am I only planting seeds for my own little kingdom? I live in Southern California, and I mean, you see all extremes. You see homeless tents over here, and you see opulence over here. <laughs> I mean, I, I, it's a real contrast. I, I work in, in, in Anaheim, uh, East Anaheim, and you see some real opulence. And I also see homeless people just walking by all the time, you know, people who are living on the streets, and you see this real contrast, and what we're taught is that, okay, our, our goal is we want to plant seeds to build our little kingdom. Well, in the end, is your little kingdom doing anything for the kingdom of God? And it's not wrong. Solomon was very wealthy, and wealth is not wrong, and taking care of your family is not wrong, and you're supposed to take care of your family, but in God's economy, are we doing anything to plant gospel seeds? And Jesus is very much about the gospel, about his good news. And so in your life, in your lifestyle, if you look at your calendar and you just look at what you're devoting yourself to, it could be within your family, sowing good seeds in your children, in your grandchildren, uh, having a devotional with your spouse. That's planting good seeds. But what about things that are plucked up? Um, this is convicting, but <laughs> like when I was uh, when I was first married, uh, and it's been all bliss, right, Jen? Like total bliss all the time. And I was, you know, I'm I'm a man and, and I'm sinful. But the first uh, season of marriage, I decided that I was not gonna have a TV in my house and I wasn't gonna watch football. Oh, that's wicked convicting. But um, I thought in that season I wanted to start in a good foundation. Don't worry, I'm watching the game today, okay, everyone? So I'm not going to get too legalistic, but, 
you know, in, in some things, there's things in my life that I had to pluck out. Because to be honest with you, as you look back in life, no one says, you know, I really wish I spent more time watching the Patriots not make the playoffs instead of spending time with my kid or on the phone. or You know what I'm saying? Or I really wish I spent more time watching the choking Celtics. No, I'm just kidding. I love, I'm a sports fan. I love all these guys. But um, everything in moderation. But the point is, is that we have to consider what are we spending our time in? What are we planting? What are we cultivating in our life? I want to read from Proverbs 24 on this topic. Again, we're talking about time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. Proverbs 24, this is also written by Solomon. Oh, the Jesus hotline coming in. Proverbs 24. I pass by the field of a sluggard, which means a lazy person, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense, and behold, it was overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. Then I saw it, and I considered it. I looked and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of hands to rest, and poverty will become upon you like a robber, and want like an armed man. That's neglect. I've had the privilege of conducting a few weddings in my day, and it's a beautiful day, and it's wonderful, but no one ever gets together and says, hey, well, you know, this is a wonderful day, but in seven years, I'm going to divorce you. But it happens all the time. And, you know, sometimes it's um, a lot of, sometimes there's an acute situation that comes up, but a lot of times it happens because of neglect over time. And that's just a metaphor, right? It could be in any area. It could be in business. It could be in any area of life is that you realize that I, the way I used to plant in these relationships or, or your relationship with your children I used to sow certain seeds. I used to make those cold calls. I used to sow good seed, and then I just started to neglect it, and then the weeds just came up. And if you let weeds grow for long enough, it becomes really difficult to change the situation. And then the walls break down, and then we become vulnerable to the enemy. And in, in any situation, if your yard is overgrown or your your garden has rocky ground, God can still change it. He can redeem it. He can take a heart of stone and turn it into a heart of flesh. So my message is not a hopeless one, but an encouragement that we need to plant the right kind of things and we want to pluck the wrong kind of things. Um, okay, my parents will be really uh, embarrassed by this, but I kind of asked mom if it was okay. But um, this morning at like five in the morning or something like that, they're up together, my mom and my dad, and they are listening to the word, and they're praying for their children and their grandchildren. That's urgency, and that's a daily habit. And is it any question why their marriage is good, and there's certain fruitfulness? They would be the first to tell you they're not perfect. I'm not perfect. My family's not perfect. None of us are perfect. Only by the grace of God do any of us stand. But I use that as an illustration. It's right in front of me. But I was like, okay, that's a, that's a secret <laughs> that you start to, because that's planting every day. If you maintain a good garden and you're active in it and you pull weeds, you don't have to pull as many weeds. But if you just leave something and just walk away from it, it's going to be difficult to turn around. So... My encouragement to you is it's time to plant and it's time to pluck up 
what is planted. Amen? Okay, here's the next one. The next one is Ecclesiastes 3.4. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. Now, I'm the type of person that any chance I get, I'll say, go out there and share the gospel, you know, be salty, you know, give out those tracts, give out those Bibles, and that's really important. I, I think it's in, incredibly important to be proactive and to invest in the kingdom of God, whether it's through giving or through giving of your time and your resources, but like what we prayed about this morning, I think it's important that we also take time when it's time to weep that we do weep that we if we're in a time of mourning then we should mourn if it's a time to laugh then we should laugh for lack of better term you know Jesus was very emotionally intelligent he was very healing Jesus knew how to relate to all sorts of people and what happens in our life is that when we haven't been taught how to mourn properly or how to weep or how to laugh, or as we prayed about this morning, if we have bitterness, unforgiveness, maybe we made inner vows in our life, I'll never let someone hurt me like that again. That happens, right? We experience trauma, we say, I'll never, because you're protecting your heart, I'll never let this happen. Well, that might work as a survival mechanism when you're X, Y, Z years old, but then later on in your marriage, in your parenting, when you're a grandparent, those vows that you made might be preventing you from being emotionally present for the people around you. You're not sensitive. You can't relate to people. These are walls. And so if we're always rushing and saying, go out, be a missionary, do all these things, and you're broken or you've never taken the time or the season to heal, like I was speaking to that other missionary, it was her season to heal, then you're not going to be very effective. There's a famous evangelist that I was uh, trained under by God's grace, a real great man of God who works at a Huntington Beach, and I was watching him doing street preaching, and he's very effective, and he's going to have a zillion more crowns in heaven than me, but he had us watching him as he's interacting, and so he was, you know, preaching the gospel, and some atheist was bantering with him. It's kind of the way they, they did it, and they do it out in the street, and this atheist let it slip, or in the conversation somewhere said that I had lost, he said he had lost his daughter. And I just picked up on that. And this evangelist just kept going, and they were going back and forth, and the atheist said, he was giving all these atheist arguments, and he went to walk away, and the Christian evangelist said, chicken, as he was walking away. And I thought, man, I can understand, like, if you're in a public debate with Dawkins, like a great atheist, and you're going back and forth. I don't recommend calling someone chicken. Usually when you call someone's pride, that doesn't, <laughs> that's not usually useful for the gospel. But um, he called them chicken because that's his way on the street. He's done it many times to keep people engaged. He's appealing to their pride. And for some atheists, that works. But I pulled this great evangelist aside after, and I said, um, you know, did you catch that that man was talking about... a that he lost his daughter. I felt that when you called him out, I didn't think that was appropriate. And to the man's credit, he said, yeah, you're right. I I shouldn't have done that. And that's an example when someone, and you know, don't read too much into it. This is a great man of God. But if you're not a person that weeps with those who weep or laugh with those who laugh, 
God might be wanting to work something in you and heal you in a season so you can be more effective. Because Jesus, look at how Jesus restored the woman caught in adultery. Look at how Jesus interacted with the woman at the well. Jesus had great empathy. And if you can combine being willing to sow seeds of the gospel, but you're also a person that loves others, and that you mourn with those who mourn, and you laugh with those who laugh, then you're going to be real powerful in the kingdom. And there is a time to dance. And I have to just, before we move on, I just have to say that it's, everyone who knows me knows it's only a matter of time before my public ministry ends because video of me dancing at a wedding is going to come out <laughs> and end everything because, you know, it's, I tried, I did a wedding this past summer and it was a Korean uh, side of the family and they have a certain way that a pastor should comport himself and uh, I really tried to behave. I really did. And I was really good in the wedding, if I do say so myself. But, I mean, this was really the, uh, the reception's fault because they started playing Staying Alive by the Bee Gees. And I tell you, something came over me, okay? Maybe I was drunk in the spirit. I don't know. But I'll tell you what. If you can, if you, you know, Jesus lived life. He did his first miracle at a wedding. So it's not just, you know, being a Christian is not just about begrudging, like, all right, we're going to go share the gospel. You know, you can, God wants us to have his joy. He wants us to be filled with the spirit. And so there's a, and the way we get there is that he wants us healed. He wants us whole. And sometimes that involves weeping and laughing in the right time. Amen? Okay, the next one. Uh, and this is, this is the last one we're going to look at in detail, okay? Um, we only got like 45 more minutes, okay? So, kids, just 45 more minutes. All right, um, a time, that's, a, that's a joke. It's a bad joke, dad joke. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time, to, when do you keep silence and when do you speak? You need to have the Spirit of God to know when to say what you need to say. You know, when you have children, when they're young, you can be more didactic. You can just, this is right, this is wrong. You know, when, when you're talking to a five-year-old, you can pretty much lay it out, six years old, seven, whatever the case may be. But when they start to get in their later teens or, you know, 20 or whatever, hypothetically, okay, all my kids are perfect, but you, you realize as a dad that, okay, maybe I shouldn't say that. Or maybe, and I'm learning this, this is my season. So I, I got all spectrums. I got a 20-year-old and I have an 11-year-old. And guess what? When you talk to a 20-year-old woman, who I'm very proud of, by the way, who just graduated from college, when you speak to her, you have to be different than when you speak to an 11-year-old Paul. Do you see what I'm saying? And so as a parent or as a pastor or as a professor, which I am, or whatever walk of life or as a boss, you have to really discern, should I say something? Should I not say something? Sometimes saying something is a sin, and sometimes not saying something is a sin. A couple, maybe a month ago, I got a call out of the blue from another missionary friend of mine. And I, I, I was, uh, well, anyway, it doesn't matter how, how we know each other. I've known him for many years. And he said, hey, Mike, I just wanted to call and let you know that uh, I just wrote a 10-page Letter to my wife explaining why I'm going to divorce her, and I'm going to give it to her tomorrow. 
And uh, we, this is not a di- divorce message, but like there's biblical criteria. There's no infidelity. There's no pattern of abuse. There's, there's all the sorts of things. In that moment, you think, oh, you're a pastor. You know what to say. I didn't know what to say. There's five kids involved. And I felt in this moment that he, he wasn't possessed, but he wasn't in his right mind either. And does anyone know what I'm talking about? Sometimes you're reasoning with someone, and they're making a decision that's this close to destroying their family. And God can redeem every situation. Okay, I want to say that as well. But they were about to make, he was about to make a very poor decision. And he was just on the cusp of going on a furlough. And I was like, oh. And he, he was, I said, let me talk to you for a minute. And he, he was, he had to do an errand, so he hung up for a minute. I called Jen right away, my wife, and I said, just pray for me right now. Pray for me right now. And I was on the phone for an hour and a half and pleading with him to reconsider his decision. And at the end, sometimes people, they say they want counsel, but they don't. They just want to check a box. And I said, what is my counsel to you? He says, your counsel is you don't think there's biblical grounds and you don't support it. And I said, okay, good. You understand at least what I'm saying. And God has been intervening in that situation, and I think it's, God's going to redeem it. But it would be easier for me to say, oh, that's too bad. I'm so sorry. But I actually felt like there's five kids that, whose lives are going to be altered forever if I don't interject in this situation. And um, sometimes, I, I just was in an extended family situation where I was talking to um, no one in, in this room or no one in this, uh, my household, but I was talking to someone who is wrestling with the things of God, and I, did, and I felt that the Holy Spirit wanted me to challenge him and say, well, you know, right now you're just the God of your own life. And in my mind, I'm like, I can't say that. I was being really polite, really gentle. But the Holy Spirit wanted me to say something. And how many of you have been prompted by God to say something and you didn't do it? I've done it. Go talk to that person. I don't want to do it. Right out here near um, Route 3, I remember there used to be an old Exxon station. I probably told you the story before. But I, I went there once, and I felt the Holy Spirit saying, talk to that guy, the guy working there. I'm like, ah, no, I'm driving down to Arlington. I don't want to talk to that guy. So I got on, and I felt so convicted. I, I turned around and went on the exit, and I go, and I said, hey, you know, this is really weird, but I feel like the Holy Spirit, that God wants me to talk to you, that um, you know who, who God is. And he says, I used to be a Christian seven years ago, but I had given that up. And then I started ministering to him. God is alive. He determines our birthplace, and he, the end of our days, and in between is full of meaning. So let's walk out there and assume that God has ordained the times and the places we are meant to be and that we are meant to speak at certain times. And when God prompts you to speak, speak. When he challenges you to remain silent, try to keep your mouth shut. Just a couple thoughts and then I'll wrap up. Think about Jesus. What did Jesus say when Herod says, do tricks for me, Jesus? I've been waiting to see you. Do some tricks. Do some magic. What did Jesus say to him? Zip said nothing to him. With Pilate, he said a little bit more. Why? Because Pilate was a little more humble. And with his disciples, Jesus said, not only am I going to give you the parable, but the meaning of the parable. God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. And so we see from Jesus 
that he's wise and that he knows when to speak and when to remain silent. Okay, so last point is how do we then discern the season that we're in? How do we then discern the season that we're in? Well, besides the fact that Jesus was the Son of God and is the Son of God, and that he has wisdom, he also knew the scriptures. And Jesus knew that if you answer a fool according to his folly, he'll be wise in his own eyes. So Jesus knew the word of God. We too must know the word of God. And we must, if we know the parables and we know the Proverbs and we say, hey, wait a minute. Answer a fool according to his folly, and he'll be wise in his own eyes. So if this person is challenging me and saying foolish things, maybe I should remain silent. So one of the ways that we discern the season is that we have to know God's word. The word of God must be inside of us. And so the Holy Spirit can trigger and say, here's a proverb for this situation. That's why when I was over my brother Josh's house and talking to my niece and nephews and my children... We're reading Proverbs, Proverb of the Day, because those Proverbs will be life for them, and the Holy Spirit will trigger in their hearts, in this situation, in this season, in this time, here's how God wants you to respond. If we don't have the Word of God in us, we're not going to know how to respond or discern the season. The second way to know the season and discern the season is to seek God's forgiveness and healing and to not hold bitterness. Do you know when we are in rebellion against God, our prayers is an abomination to him. We all have a certain level of sin in us, of course, but, but just like we talked about in the prayer this morning, God wants those things. He wants to heal us. He wants us whole. He wants to heal our hearts so we can be more effective in the kingdom. So we must seek God's forgiveness. Don't come Go, go to your brother and ask for forgiveness. Don't come to the altar. Do you know Jesus says, hey, put a pause on this ministry or this prayer. Go ask your brother for forgiveness or go forgive your brother. So that's the second way. You're going to be blocked if you have unforgiveness and bitterness in your soul. Third is you need to seek the Holy Spirit for guidance. Uh, in the church plant where I'm a part of in Los Angeles, the, the pastor who, whom I serve under we're great brothers, but we see something's not eye to eye in, in second or third level um, theology. He, he is not a continuationist. He thinks that the gifts of the Spirit, um, some of them have ceased since the apostles. So I was like, I don't know if I could serve with this guy. We were, I was just a visitor at that time, and he was preaching. And at the end, while he was preaching, I felt the urge to pray for people. I want to go up and pray for people. And I'm like, I can't do that. I'm just a visitor. How can I do that? And he said this. He said, you know, I didn't ask him, but Mike, would you come up and would you pray for people? I feel like God wants us to be praying. And I was like, oh, Holy Spirit's here. We can serve together. And, and so we have to be people that seek the Spirit for guidance. Seek wise counsel in the local church. You don't want to be a Proverbs 18.1 person that are just living alone. You need to also seek wise counsel. You need to have mentors and people who are wise in the things of God to give you advice. Of course, in natural things, it's good to have business mentors that can help you and so on. But some of them don't have the wisdom of God. They might tell you to cheat on your taxes or do things that God is not pleased with. You can learn a certain 
uh, level of wisdom from them, and, and that's okay, but you also have to, it, it's ideal to find someone who is a believer who can mentor you in different aspects of your life. And then you need to know the times, read the skies. Even Jesus says that the natural man, the, whether it's a fisherman or a farmer, they can look at the skies and read the times. The sons of Issachar, it says in the Old Testament, knew the times in which they are in. Do you know the times? Hey, all this stuff has happened in Israel. You know, do you understand what's happening? Are you studying the word? Revelation is not an easy book to read, but people are going to go to you and they want the wisdom. Do you have the wisdom of God inside of you? And then you need to pray. You need to pray like the persistent widow. Keep knocking. If, if you need wisdom, and I'm there in, in this season of life that I'm in, is that I, if God wants to move us or go in this direction or that direction, I need to keep knocking. God, I still haven't gotten my answer. I still don't know what to, what to do. All of us are facing things like this. So the question is, what season are you in? What decisions are you facing? Given that season, what would God have you do? Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for your word today. Thank you, God, that there's a season for everything under heaven, Lord. And that you're a God that wants to speak to us. You're a God that moves mountains. You're a God that loves us enough to allow us to go through wilderness experiences. Sometimes we're in the valley. Sometimes we're in the peaks. But I pray, God, in our relationships with individuals in our home, outside our home, in our marriages if we're married, in our parenting or grandparenting, wherever we're at in life, God, give us wisdom in discernment of what season we're in and how you would have us operate in that season so we can be effective for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.